So we are continuing the series of For the One. And today, <laughs> amen. I love it when people are excited about the Word of God. <laughs> it's easy to have, and you've heard Pastor Dan say this, a God so loved the world mentality. You know, God so loved the world. Let's reach the Gold Coast for Jesus, and we do want that. When's the next big event that the church is throwing? When's the big, big crusade that is coming to my town? You know, so we can reach this city. And it is so easy that to forget that our everyday interaction with the ones at work, with the ones that we study with, with the ones that we go for a surf with, with the barista we see every day, the cleaner that we see every day, those are the greatest opportunities for people to see Jesus. So today we're looking at this one. We're looking at Barabbas. Now I'll paint the picture and set the scene for you. Jesus was arrested the night before. And in the morning now, he is arrested and is bound and he appears before Pilate. Now, Pilate is the Roman governor of Judea. And this man, Pilate, is a brutal, uncompassionate, ungodly Roman governor. Like if you looked at, even looked at him the wrong way, he'd run you through with his sword. He's not afraid of putting people to death, right? He's that kind of a guy. And even he cannot believe what he's seeing at this trial with Jesus standing there. Even he can't believe it. He can't believe it so much so that he washes his hands in front of this crowd as a symbol that he will not partake of in the murder and execution of an innocent man. And I'm going to read just quickly from Mark. This story is found in four of the Gospels, but Mark's the quickest. So I'll read the summarized version. Mark 15, 6. Now it was the custom of the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. And naturally, he thought the innocent one. So he said, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And I'm going to just summarize what I'm reading. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. And he says, what shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. And he's like, why? What crime has he committed? And they shout even louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate releases Barabbas to them. He hands Jesus to be flogged and over to be crucified. And I can imagine Barabbas taken out of his hellhole of a cell, a captive broken, bound in the dark, waiting to die. And they drag him out, and here he is, standing, looking at what's going on, 
And as they untie his hands to set him free, his eyes meet with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he's looking at a man he knows is innocent, but who is now going to take his place and die the long, painful, excruciating, shameful death that was meant for him. And church, you and I, if you're a believer here today, we are all the one. We are all this one. Barabbas is a picture of you and I. And you know, sometimes it saddens me about myself. When the longer I'm saved, sometimes the more numb I can be to the sacrifice of Jesus and the love of God. And I love that Pastor Dan, every opportunity he gets to stand up here, he ensures that we are not making church and what we do religious. We are not to come here and play religion and tick some sort of religious box, but we come and we return to a place where we all stood as prisoners, guilty and we were bound, waiting for our condemnation, waiting for our punishment, and a Savior walked in and took it for us. I'm going to read to you Romans 5. And here's what it is really. Romans 5 verse 7. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were God's enemies and we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not our life, his life. Not only this, not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Come on, that's a God that wanted you. He wanted me, and he didn't just want us to, to gather us together to be religious. He wanted to be reconciled with us. And now that we have been reconciled, and we have been forgiven, and we have been loved, and we have been drawn into the family and the love of God. Our calling as believers is now to turn our eyes away from ourselves. What do I want at the moment? What, 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 what are my needs? Uh, what about my comfort? What, 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 what does the church need to do for me at the moment? What do I want and even my own pain and turn my eyes to the other ones who have yet to be reconciled to God? 
So let's read from 2 Corinthians, truly our calling as believers. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, come on, we're all here, we're in Christ. We are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. Check it out. Now, he reconciled us to Christ. Then what does he do? He gives us a calling. What's our calling? And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And that's the key now. That's our calling now as believers. We are ambassadors. We represent Jesus himself. And I don't know about you, but you know, you spend any amount of time, whether it's with a colleague or someone you, you start seeing a lot more than just, you know, hey, hello and goodbye. It only takes 2.5 seconds for them to realize that you go to church. They'll ask you what your weekend was like. They'll ask you some random question. And for some reason, by the time I have a couple of sentences with people, they'll realize I go to church. Now, when that happens, immediately people associate us with the God that we serve and the God that we profess to believe. And then whether you like it or not, whether you say, hey, I'm an evangelist and I'm telling people about Jesus, whether you want to tell people about Jesus, whether you want to evangelize to people, all of a sudden, you've got no choice. You're an evangelist. And everything you do tells people about Jesus. And people get a bit funny about this. They're like, oh my gosh, she's trying to put the condemnation on me, you know? Like, what, you're perfect, Anna? No, I'm not perfect. Grace. We, are not, we, are, we are not asked. We, I mean, I can stand here and preach a whole message about my weaknesses and imperfection. God does not, is not desiring for us to be perfect and, and to never sin. We are all growing and we are all on a journey towards perfection. Our perfection in the Bible is mentioned, but it is not our mentality of perfection, not a perfectionistic mentality. God's idea of perfection is spiritual maturity. That's what it's translated as, that we are growing in our faith. So even though, so we can't use the I'm not perfect to excuse ourselves, we use because there are people out there that need to see Jesus. They need to see him through us. So we should make the commitment that Paul talks about in Philippians 2, 12, where he says, hey guys, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in us to will and to act according to his good 
purpose. Now, I say this all the time. Let's not, let's not confuse working out your salvation with fear and trembling with a works mentality. Those are two very different things. Yeah? Working, out our, working out our salvation um, is literally means that something has been birthed and something has happened on the inside of us and it is only natural that it reveals itself, it reflects itself on the outside on, in the way that we think and we act and we behave and we speak. That's all it means. So when you say you believe in Jesus and when we put our hand up to receive Christ and we put our faith in Jesus on the cross, it's not just that we became saved and we said some sort of sinner's prayer or we got baptized and then now we're all joined at church and we're Christian now. No, something powerful happened the day you were born again. A miracle happened on the inside. It says we were born again because we were born again. A miracle happened just like a baby was, is conceived and born in the natural. The Bible tells us that being born again is the exact same thing in the spiritual. A miracle, a birth, a new life is born. And I love using this scripture just to get everyone uncomfortable and awkward. You all waiting for it? Yeah, here we go. 1 John 3 says... No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. That word seed of God remains in him is the Greek word sperma. There we go, I told you you'd get awkward. Everyone just looking around awkwardly. So it literally means that a new birth has happened. And that's why there is no, there is no faith if there is no expression of faith. You can't say we're saved, but there's no reflection in our lives. It is a natural born reflection in our actions and our thoughts and everything we do when we put our hand up and accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And I'll get Kelly to come up as I close. Let me tell you, let me, let me tell you something. And I've, I mean, I'm 37 years old this year. And I've been in church and grown up in church my whole life. I've seen a lot of revivals and events and big things. But let me tell you something. There's no revival, tent crusade, evangelical speaker, big event, big conference that will ever take the place and the power and the ripple effect of one man and one woman or one child who has been born again, who has been set free by the power, by the power of the blood of Jesus. And let me tell you, revivals and events, they'll come and they'll go. But one born again person has set into motion the effect an effect of people around them that will continue to outwork itself long after they're gone. So let's 
be ambassadors. Let's reflect, let's act, let's speak on behalf of our Lord, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And I believe this from my heart as we continue to work out our salvation, as we continue to look to the one who has saved us to help us transform. Let me tell you this. I believe as you go out, people will catch a glimpse of Jesus by what you do. And people will hear Him by what you say 